This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, that all worked out pretty well, didn't it? Uh, just a few short hours after we headlined the last podcast, the return of Nadal, he pulls out. Um, and he didn't play Toronto after all because his foot injury was too severe. In fact, he's pulled out of Cincinnati as well, which means the, the big three on the men's side and Serena Williams are not playing either Canada or Cincinnati, which is, I don't know, I, I don't know why that shocks me. Catherine Whitaker and Matt Roberts are here alongside me. Uh, well, virtually, of course. Uh, Catherine's been presenting TV all day. Matt's um, in one of his assorted rooms so that he doesn't wake up his parents. And I'm sitting outside listening to the sound of crickets in the background. Um, and it's uh, the middle of the night, so I'm allowed to get away with that in front of Catherine because it's dark and she can't see how lovely it all is. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know, it's quite a lush tree over your left shoulder. It is a nice one. I've been examining that earlier today, along with all the others. Um, but yeah, it's for some reason, although although it makes perfect sense that players like Federer, who's just turned 40, and Serena Williams, who turns 40 next month, and and uh, Djokovic, who's trying for the the Grand Slam, having just played in Tokyo, and and Nadal, who's yeah, I mean he's struggling physically. It's not that surprising that these players are not playing, but it this feels like a moment really. I'm not sure I can remember a summer where those players at the same time were not competing. Can either of you? I mean, it probably literally hasn't happened in Matt's lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I did see a stat, certainly on the men's side, that no one has won the US Open through not playing either Cincinnati or Canada since those became a duo, I think, in 1990. Now, I suppose Djokovic is trying to do something that no one has ever done. So it sort of makes sense that he perhaps takes a path that no one has ever trodden before him either. Um, and I think they're all slightly different circumstances, aren't they? All of all of those four. Um, I think it speaks to 
the emphasis on the slams these days and those four in particular are the biggest names in tennis and they're all aging and they're all aiming for those slams so naturally if they're feeling something they are going to pull out of those events beforehand um for nadal apparently he's back in spain seeing seeing a doctor who he's seen before it's really not good for nadal i don't think and sitting here today i would be quite surprised if he plays the u.s open it just it doesn't doesn't seem good yeah, it, the, the the Nadal Serena situation, N- Nadal Serena Federer situation is extremely diff- different to the to the Djokovic situation. Um, yeah, the, exactly what Matt said about Nadal really doesn't sound good at all. And well, well, we kind of have less of a picture of the nature and severity and timeline of Serena's injury. Obviously, it's the leg injury she sustained in, in that match uh, at Wimbledon. I, I do know, or I certainly feel, that Serena can't rock up at a slam and just win it anymore. I, I just don't think she can do that. I mean, just maybe she'll get really lucky with the draw and be able to play herself in, but I just think those days are gone, and she really did need a warm-up tournament, which unless she goes to, I think, is it Chicago? Where there's a, a, a small WTA event now in the week before the US Open, unless she goes there, which I don't think is likely. I, I just, this, yeah, this is sort of, I, I think the first time I won't be sort of, tempted against against logic to pick Serena Williams to to win a Grand Slam title I just always find myself drifting still towards her name in in the draw I did at Wimbledon this year um, and yes who knows what would have happened at Wimbledon were it not for that injury but I can't see myself doing that this time um, yeah it's it's quite sad really Sorry, sorry to be a bummer, but it's um, yeah, it's quite sad. Mm. Well, it, it is, and it has to happen sometime. But it doesn't make it any less sort of upsetting, really, to know that that reality is is dawning. It, Pete Sampras turned fifty today. I mean, what what's going on? These people aren't supposed to age, um, but they are. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think when I consider that. Last year, the US Open was without Nadal and Federer during a pandemic or and, and at the absolute height of it. And, and the fact that they got that event and played at all was, was amazing. If somebody had told me then, well, yeah, in a year's time, there'll actually be fewer of these four playing than now in the US Open, that would have really hurt, I think, or really shocked me. And that's likely to be the case. Because throughout the their various absences over the past few years and and at any one point one or more of them mostly has been absent there's always been the anticipation of their return the the excitement of which is almost compensated for their absence at that time and yeah not to be even more of a downer but (laughs) there's there's the hope of the return but I, I don't think there's the anticipation of the return 
anymore perhaps perhaps slightly more so with with Nadal you know you'd 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 have to think he'll yeah I mean I don't think this is the end for Nadal um in the way that I I fear it might be for for Federer and Serena um but I I certainly am not assuming that any of them will return Mm. Yeah, well, let's try and cheer things up, shall we? Uh, Bianca Andreescu is on telly at the moment. <laughs> at least she's back. Yes. Um, is, is, and put with the, no strapping on. Put the superhero cape on her. It's like, it's like you know, your sport needs you. And I feel awful saying that when she's playing Ons Jabeur because we all need Ons Jabeur in our lives as well. But my goodness me, a Grand Slam winning Bianca Andreescu, it would be a welcome welcome sight just now Mm. yeah it really would be um so long may she stay healthy um let's just talk about about what's been going on over the last few days because it never ceases to amaze me that when you put a two a men's and women's tournament side by side in different cities as it is on this occasion and we can go two or three days without doing a podcast and so much happens during that time and uh we've matt's put together a list of some of the results that we've had and and there has been some absolute belters i mean it's i, I feel like I, i've been on holiday uh this week and, and and not not seen very much tennis and i actually have quite bad fomo i feel like i'm slightly missing out on the on the tennis that's going on um but uh, I've seen what I can, and, uh, and I'm going to rely on the two of you and just go through some of this stuff. I mean, first of all, um, Johanna Conta today was due to play Coco Goff. That didn't end up happening because Conta, it appears, has aggravated the knee injury that she's she's really suffered with over the last couple of years. I mean, that that situation just has never really righted itself. And she actually had a brilliant win, didn't she? Yesterday against Selena Svetilina, she was a set down. At that sort of stage, I think I, I, I was telling you both, I, I'd be surprised if she wins five games the way it was going. And yet she fought back, won that match. And yeah, I thought if she plays like that, then it could be quite quite a, a good match against Goff. And it doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I th- actually think that win against Svitolina, or I thought at the time that was one of the biggest of her career. She she said to, to us on Prime Video the day before that match, I hate playing Svitolina. She described her as her worst opponent. Um, she said our games just don't match up. You know, uh, our pundits in the studio were quite taken aback at how honest she was. She's, Daniela said, look, we, <laughs> we all had players that we felt that way against, but we'd... We'd never admit it uh, publicly. But yeah, she just, you know, she'd played her and lost to her five times. Um, and I, I I didn't give her much of a hope either in yesterday's match, especially not after she lost the first set. And it was incredibly impressive, I thought, that Conta won that match. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know where this leaves us. I don't, you know, is it? slightly precautionary the withdrawal I just don't know Um, but the fact that it is as you say the same thing that has plagued her on and off consistently now for a couple of years it feels like is it's not a good sign and in the back of my mind now with Joe Conter I have the constant awareness that she doesn't she doesn't intend to to play on the tour that much longer 
another year, maybe two. Um, so, if that, I'd say, yeah, um, absolutely. So the, you know, every every missed opportunity feels like it carries extra weight and poignancy somehow. Um, so a real shame, real shame. Mm. And we know she's such a rhythm player. It really felt like she had found that rhythm against Fitolina. You know, it, it went from nightmare opponent to kind of dream opponent in, in one match because she needed to hit a lot of balls. She needed to work her way into a match and she did it brilliantly. She was playing really, really well in the second and third set and you, and you felt like she'd finally unlocked something and would she be able to build on it as we've seen her build on good form in the past, you know, heading in, heading into a slam and then she hits, hits this stumbling block. It's, it's just a real shame and I think it takes Contra a while to build form back up. So just, you know, losing the opportunity to play again this week is, is just a massive, massive blow. And I share all your concerns about the fact that it's the knee. That suggests it could also be something more serious. Mm. Um, Matt, I know you have been pretty taken by Coco Goff recently and, and see her as making significant strides i mean i wonder how how big this summer could end up being well, she she now faces camilla georgie who I, oh, I watched some of earlier beating petra kvitova and i mean georgie's playing really well at the moment but i just wonder whether goff is going to have a breakthrough a big breakthrough very soon uh, well before you answer matt I demand, David, that you be more specific about big breakthrough. What are you sort of semi-predicting here? Because I, one might one might argue that she's she's had big breakthroughs. Yeah, I think she'll reach a Grand Slam final within the next twelve months. Oh, he's wow! He's gone Barty okay. style big. <laughs> I think she'll win Montreal. Now we're talking. Do, that. I, do I think that? Yeah, I think I do. I saw her play Savastova, who has been her nightmare opponent. You know, she's really struggled against her. I think, I think she might have tried that head-to-head love three. And she crushed her. It, it, she stepped onto that court a, a different Coco Goff to the one who's played Savastova in the past. And I think she, she took some real steps this summer through, through the clay court season. And she had a pretty good Wimbledon. And back on these hard courts, they suit her game, I think. Yeah, I, I really think Goff can can win this tournament. And goodness, that would set up the US Open, wouldn't it? I feel like the, <laughs> the, the US Open needs to catch a break, doesn't it? Um, and Coco Goff, who, you know, regardless of the situation going in, will be a story and a focus for that tournament. But her going in off the back of a major tournament victory, that would be a break for the US Open it sure would I mean she she would be so exciting for 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 New York and for America to get into at the US Open you know I I I think that's that's a run waiting to happen and she would love it she you you and I think probably her she's somebody who's just got great hunger for the game she just loves it all it seems to me and uh, um and the fact that she didn't get to play the Olympics, I think, only heightens that hunger and, and mm. will make her want to... She'll have been thinking about 
the sport, I reckon, over the last couple of weeks when she was laid down with... Was she laid down with COVID? Did she actually have it? Or, did she, or was she a close contact? I can't uh, remember. I think she had COVID. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and, so, well, I mean, I hope, I hope she's fine through that. But, I mean, um, terrible, terrible shame that she missed the Olympics because she was really excited about it. And you can just imagine her seeing those pictures and really being gutted about it but well maybe the maybe the flip side maybe the upside is that she is fresh and is going to be able to stay on this body clock and therefore just be able to cruise through the american hardcore season and give her absolute best at all times um be very interesting camilla georgie well she's dynamic and and she hits the ball incredibly hard but i you know we'll see with that one um what about um what about the other American player that uh, we were talking about the other day, uh, Daniel Collins, who's continued this run, including beating Simona Halep, who, another player, it was just great to see back on a tennis court after being unable to, to defend a Wimbledon um, title. What, what did you see of that, Catherine? I, 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 I seem to remember I woke to messages from you both last night where you were in raptures about both of them at the same time. Yeah, we were both up watching. I think that was about as positive a loss as it's possible yes. to have um Hallett played really really well um and was on the court for a long time and competed really hard and I think g- gathered a lot of confidence in her body from last night I think she got sort of a tournament's worth of good stuff from from one match you know considering she hasn't played in uh, at least two months, I think, m- maybe even closer to three months. It was Rome, wasn't it, that she sustained that calf tear? So um, obviously she'd have liked to have won, but she kind of got everything other than a W from that match. And Danielle Collins, I love watching Danielle Collins. She she reels me right in with the intensity of it. I feel like I'm in a vortex um it's brilliant she's just she's just great i know there was a a slightly controversial incident which daniel collins agrees was a controversial incident she took a she took a medal medical time out before simona Halep was was to serve to stay in in the match um and yeah obviously daniel collins ended up breaking and winning the match and apologizing to Simona Halep at the net for doing that she said look I was just in so much pain I had no choice I don't want to be that person that that exploits the rule in that way and not sure Simona Halep was desperately in the mood for a a kiss and makeup moment I mean she was dignified but chilly I would Mm. say well, she was asked mm. about that in her press comments, I saw. And uh, and one quote in the middle of her answer was something along the lines of, yeah, some some players just need to go to that if uh, if it's not going their way. It was, it was that kind of thing. Um, that is uh, Ostapenko-esque. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was sandwiched by... Two lovely pieces of bread, uh, which were completely understanding of it and congratulating her opponent for for her excellent tennis and actually, as you say, viewing the the loss in a positive light. 
bear in mind how she played, given it was her return. But she also made it absolutely clear <laughs> that, that, she, that that sort of stuff goes on and isn't exactly all right. I mean, Collins did hyperextend her knee. That was quite obvious. And it, it did look like she was in quite a lot of pain. Um, she was just returning so well the whole match. You know, Halep couldn't shake free of her. I think, you know, if, I think if Halep does have a weakness, it probably is her second serve. And Collins just pounced on it at every opportunity. I, I don't know what circumstances it would take for Danielle Collins to sort of back off a service return, you know, take a step back and not try to half-volley them all. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't ever seem Everything to occur to her. Everything is going forward, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a sight. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a great match. And yes, there was that moment, but it, it really did feel like Collins was just the sharper match player. You know, as I said, Halep couldn't finish her off. And, and she played very well, not even well just because she hadn't played for three months. This was a good level from Halep, even if she played last week. So I think that's a really positive sign for her that, that she seems to be free of that injury. And she's never really done that well in New York. Uh, she, she, she's spoken about not actually liking the hustle and bustle of it. She's had a couple of runs, but it has been her weakest slam and... I think, you know, in, in similar ways to a, to a Goff run and an Andrescu run, I would, I would love a Halep run in New York. I mean, we're going to run out of spaces for all the players we want to have runs, but I think Halep, Halep would be high on my list as well. I was, I was reminded how much I enjoy watching her play tennis as well. Mm. She had that match first round against Maria Sharapova, I seem to recall, a few years ago, and, mm. uh, and she's come up against Kaya Kanepi, hasn't she? It's big hitters that are dangerous to her early on. I've got that quote, by the way, her exact quote. In the middle of, of this answer, first of all, she said, it was tough for me because after two hours and a half to get more than 10 minutes break is not fair before the serve. I think this rule is not good at all. Uh, she says, but some players, when they don't trust they can win with the game, they ask the medicals. Then they run better than before. <laughs> um, but she, she said, uh, she said, but at the end, she said, but credits to her because she played well. <laughs> oh, marvelous! That is a Venus Williams wishing him luck. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, anyway, Daniel Collins continues on. Um, who's she got now? Do we know? Yes, Jessica Pagula. Oh. Shortly. Don't go into depth, David. Yeah, that's about that'll to... be out of date yeah. by the time this has been edited. <laughs> you can tell I'm out of the loop. I'm just about to stitch up our own podcast. Arena uh, um, Sabalenka um, was in action a couple of times. I mean, it is relentless, isn't it? When you, you play these back-to-back matches, and I was thinking this about Conta. You know, you get this two two sets to one win from behind against Alina Svitolina. You, you're supposed to come out straight back out the next day. It, that is tough to do. And and Sabalenka's played an absolute epic against Sloane Stevens. Another match you two were both getting incredibly pumped about. Uh, and then she's come out again today and beat um, Rebecca Marino, who's the, the player who, didn't she have about six or seven years out of the game altogether? Yeah, she Rebecca Marino reached her career high ranking of uh, 38 in the world 10 years ago in 2011 uh, when she was 20 years old. She's 30 now. 
just for anyone that couldn't do that maths for themselves, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, and yeah, two years later, so 22 years of age in 2013, she took kind of an indefinite leave of absence from the game, effectively retired, although never officially, I don't think, used used the word retirement, um, due to depression and associated mental health issues. You know, she talks now about having had suicidal thoughts. You know, it was, it was bad. It was really, really dark. Yeah. And um, she she fully left the game behind. She went to work in her family's construction business she went to university um she did all sorts of things that absolutely were not tennis and I don't think it was ever on her mind to make a comeback and and then a couple of years ago she dipped her toe in the water and she started trying it she still um ranked outside the world's top 200 although her win over um Paolo Bedosa in the opening round will elevate her now um, well inside the world's top 200 at least I think and yeah she now speaks so brilliantly um, about coming through that experience and just strikes me how ahead of her time she was to have made that decision back then I mean f- things feel like they've changed so much in the last eight years maybe even in the last you know two to three weeks with Simone Biles and, you know, Naomi Osaka to an extent as well. I mean, I don't want to conflate those two situations because they are very, very different. But you're starting to hear conversations about, you know, whether what's best for Naomi Osaka might be some some uh, some time away from the game or some more official time away from the game. Obviously, she's not not playing very much at the moment. And, yeah, it just feels like out of nowhere Rebecca Marino feels this very current relevant person even though actually the last time she was relevant in tennis terms was you know at least 10 years ago but yeah it's a it's a it's a funny and yeah really interesting story Rebecca Marino's not funny haha obviously no but very interesting um and uh I, I seem to recall, I can't remember whether it was social media that that caused her a lot of issues back in the in mm. those early days. I, I, th- I think it was. And I remember... Yeah, she has talked about that, yeah. You know, which it's it can be so damaging and, uh, you know, great to see her back and, and in a different place altogether. Um, but she was beaten today by Irina Sabalenka, who is... She keeps coming back for more. That's what I like about Sabalenka. I mean, she's had to withstand some disappointments. She still hasn't had that big breakthrough moment at the at the major tournaments. But I don't know, Matt. Maybe it is coming because she just keeps on knocking at the door, and and she will just sort of by repetition. I don't. I don't feel like there's. I I think that there's probably scar tissue in the moment when she's out there trying to get over a hurdle, I think that that is in the back of her mind. But I don't feel as though she's carrying it around with her all the time. I feel like she just keeps ploughing mm. forwards. What do you think? Well, I think she overcame a big, big barrier at Wimbledon. You know, not having got beyond the fourth round of the slam before was glaring for a player of her quality. And she bashed through that, won the quarterfinal as well, and 
played a very, very good semi-final and, and lost to Pliskova. I, I don't think there was really something missing from her in, in that semi-final match. And I think whenever she wins a three-setter, it feels like progress to me. And we had that against Stone Stevens. This was a fantastic match. But Sambalenka didn't play brilliantly for the whole thing. And yet she still won. And that, to me, is progress. Because I used to think of Sabalenka as someone who, if she played well, yeah. she won. If she didn't play well, she's, she didn't She's win. on or she's not. Yeah, she was that classic player. She, and I, she would have lost that match a year ago, maybe, maybe even six months ago, maybe even less than that, for sure. Hmm. There, there are more shades, I think, in her game now. And that is, that is a really positive sign she's and yet none of the weapons in her game have diminished with that she's still just as powerful and just as capable of being on you know I think I think she hit 18 aces in this match she came back from 4-1 down in the decider some of them were second serve aces wasn't she she went she She went really Kyrgios Medvedev on Mm. the second serve yeah It, it was fun to watch it was it was a fun match generally because they've both got such different intensities and, I guess, demeanours and just approaches. And, you know, Stone Stevens is so smooth. And Sabalenka is... Well, smooth is not a word you would use to describe <laughs> Sabalenka. You know, she's just full full throttle all the time. Um, and, yeah, I think it's a really big win. And, and she's backed it up against, against Marino. And so, yeah, just I'm impressed with Sabalenka. She plays as a ranker now. Who got past um, yes. Maria Sakkari, 7-6 yeah. in the third? That that sounded like a, a belting match. I missed that one as well. It was a belting match, yeah. Mm. It was and brilliant. And I, I don't want to be too harsh on Maria Sakkari because, you know, she's I, I love her. She's great. She's I mean, goodness me, she's an improved player. And I think I think overall she played the the better tennis in that match against Azarenka today and didn't win. And I feel like that's been the case a few times this year in very big matches for Maria Sakkari. And I do think she has a a closing problem. I feel I've confirmed my thesis today that she has a, mm. a closing problem. It's a Roger Federer in the lift to David Law. Why do I lose all the close matches oh. situation developing? I just had a look because you were talking about that in the in the prime studio with uh, Greg and Daniela, I think it was at the time, and and she is losing a lot of close matches. And this one today, seven six in the third, Craig Chikovic at the French Open nine seven in the third, Svitolina at the Olympics six six four in the third, Mukova in Madrid seven five in the third, and Andrescu in Miami seven six in the third. That's that's five matches this year in big, big tournaments where she's played really, really well and just not been able to close. And it's interesting because one of the other matches which springs to mind for me this year is that one against Pagula in Miami, which was a really tight match. But I guess the difference was she was down in that one and she played with freedom and she hit through the court and hit blazing winners on all of Pagula's match points. So... She can play well in tight situations. It's just that trying to finish the match off, I suppose, is is just a completely different psychology. And 
she hasn't figured that out at the moment. I thought I thought Daniela Hantakova was interesting in in commentary about perhaps needing to accept that her opponent can play well. You know, she's sometimes really harsh on herself during a match, and maybe that's just a little shift in mental approach that that she needs to adopt. That that feels like a difficult step to take I always think but she's made such improvements in her game generally I sort of have faith that it that it will come eventually but it does feel like she's going to keep taking these tough losses if if something doesn't change uh, and this is the time of the year that Victoria Azarenka comes into her own out of nowhere I mean she's had mm. not that big a year really and now Maybe this is where she'll she'll start to pick it up. I mean, that I, I was so surprised, very happily, pleasantly surprised a year ago when she when she did all that and ended up going all the way to the final of the U.S. Open. But um, yeah, that the, the stickability against Sakari today, I think, is a really good sign for her. And I'm I'm fascinated about her against Sabalenka now, being compatriots as well. That's they were supposed to play doubles together at the Olympics. Well, this I is want, the next I best thing. I wanted that so much. <laughs> this could be really good. Let's, let's hope so. Speaking of doubles, Sabalenka was playing with yes, Elise Mertens again. they're back on. It's like the gems life of women's doubles. <laughs> uh, uh, the other um, match in the quarterfinals that has already been decided uh, is going to be Karolina Pliskova, who I watched... Um, seal her win against Amanda Anisimova. Um, he doesn't watch any tennis all week, and you just rock up to win. So, watch the final game of Pliskova beating Anisimova in an unremarkable it. match on an outside court. <laughs> I got quite into it at the end. Right, okay. <laughs> um, and on, uh, it was six one seven six, I think, in the end. Um, and uh, and she. She had a set point as well in this over in that tie break, um, but didn't take it. So uh, I don't think Pliskova were allowed her to. I think she she served it out really well in the end. Uh, and now faces Sara Saribes Tormo, who who is just continuing to build, isn't she? And and providing more to a game than than well, she's she's put in that fantastic performance against Kerber on grass at Wimbledon. She's had clay court results, and now here she is in the quarters. On hard. I feel like only Sara Sribas Tormo could win a six love set and still take three hours to win the match. <laughs> no chance, <laughs> really. It, 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 yeah, it was just classic. I think I think the last two sets were six love, six three, maybe. Against who is who is that? Katarina Siniakova. All oh, right. There have been some long matches this week. Really long matches. In mm. mm. punishing heat. Right up Sribas Tormo's alley. Yes, we had in the men's side. We had the two identically long matches happening concurrently this evening, um, and all finished at almost exactly the same time. Riley Apelka and, and Louis. Very different matches. Very different matches. <laughs> I watched right. quite a lot of Apelka, by the way. He just rocks up for Pliskova <laughs> and Apelka. David, I got, I've got into Apelka. Because said um, no one ever. Well, said David what? Law now, tall man solidarity. Right. <laughs> um, it, it, he was saying he was saying there's no way I can win this match because Lloyd Harris is everywhere, and then 
Turns out there was a way, and that was serving his way to winning two tiebreakers. Yeah. Well, the, the funny as thing if, was, like, as I, if I, that was a novel thing. I turned on towards the end of the second set when Apelka was match point down. That's what what tips my interest. Um, he was match point down. I wanted to see what happened, and he served this ball down, and I mean he went for Lloyd Harris's head. Is all I can say with the serve. He bounced it up at his body, but it almost hit him in the head. And uh, poor old Harris just for diving for cover um, to get out of the way. You know, no no chance of sort of winning the match point. I mean, all he could do was to sort of stay physically fit in the moment. And uh, and then uh, from there, I mean, I think he Apelka lost. Uh, sorry, he won nine fewer points than his opponent and yet won the match uh, in the end. That's a stat from Enrico Riva um, I read on Twitter. But, I mean, it was that's Nick Kyrgios, Grigor Dimitrov, and now um, Lloyd Harris that he's beaten in a row. Uh, it's, a, it's a good run, isn't it, from, from Apelka? And, uh, and as you say, he now faces Roberto Bautista-Rugut, who, um, I mean, that was something Catherine described at the start of Prime's coverage as, I think that that one will be attritional, she said. And two mm. hours and 46 I know, I know how to later. sell a tennis match, David. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the, the sensible thing to do, as far as I could see, was to just tune in at three all in the final set, um, because then it got good. And uh, they both had match points. And Bantas Rigut, really, it was actually quite, I thought it was a good stat that... Um, Barry Cowan mentioned during the coverage was that right in the final game, he said Batista Gut started hitting his ground strokes four miles an hour faster than at every other point in the match. He really went after his shots. And, uh, Why didn't and it, he do that sooner? <laughs> Adrenaline, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it was it was he he really ripped it from Schwartzman's grasp. It was quite quite interesting. Nothing further to add, David. <laughs> Having watched a lot of tennis with Catherine, that is exactly the sort of thing which really annoys her. <laughs> what? Just someone coming up with the winning formula at the last possible moment. When they've had two and a half and 40 minutes to have done it earlier. Yeah, faff. Catherine's not a fan of faff. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> yes, can confirm. Uh, from 14 years of, of evidence as well. Um, elsewhere, we've had straight... There's so... Sorry, sorry, but d- just... There is so much faff in tennis. <laughs> the Olympics oh, has really hit this. I mean, we knew it before, but two weeks of watching the Olympics and just, you know, absorbing yourself in other sports and their formats and their quirks and... Tennis has too much faff. Are you saying you want the ultimate tennis showdown? No. 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 There's a balance. <laughs> There's a happy middle ground. Yeah. I, I. No one should be doing anything with the scoring format of tennis. There's no faff there. There's only beauty. But knock-ups... And, you know, wafty. Do, do you know the ultimate in faff? 
a match being called and a player just not being there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like, I, I, take that point. I mean, you didn't show up. Okay, match over. Your your opponent get you. You didn't show up for your match. End of an end of story. What's like? I mean, just inexplicable in tennis at professional level. You know, this is a this is a multi million dollar ecosystem where international broadcasters are hanging on. You know the the every moment that you go to a match and one of the players simply is not there and. <laughs> There are lots of lots of people just standing around going, "Oh, yeah, he's, he's not." As though it's okay. He's, he's not here yet. We'll we'll just wait then. Bit like this when, happens all the time. Genuinely ludicrous. I would be pissed off if that happened at my local club. When he was at Wimbledon, Ozzy Sim and I was on that match, and and uh, Mikhail Imer didn't show up for nine minutes. Well, I mean, <laughs> sorry. You failed to show up. I mean, I think I think there was a, definitely an argument for a default at that point. I don't know what the what the limit. I mean, is, it's um, is ludicrous. That's where I, I'd start. Yeah, but this Olympics comparison. I mean, that's you sitting with five screens in front of you and all these yeah, different. Yeah, and it was very instructive. I know, but you've got five different like, sports all like at the same time. Project. Of course, there's going to be more faff in a tennis match. Um, yeah, exactly. Why should there exactly, be? but these are but well, because she's exactly watching sh- five sports, the best of every single one, all at the same time. Absolutely, and these sports are tennis's competitors. You yeah, know, but, let's not be complacent. If tennis was one of them, you'd be as excited about that as you would about. It. But you, you're not. You're engrossed in a in a single tennis match, which is going to have ups and no, downs. No, but unless and- um, no, someone failing to show up on time for their match is not. It's well, neither one, an up nor a down. Point, it is a waste it? of everybody's time. You like cricket. What goes on with a five-day cricket match? Loads of waiting around and having tea. D- <sighs> leave tennis alone. Oh, let's just leave it then and not worry. Not worry about no, I th- I maximising audiences and, and making it as... No, there's definitely as, stuff that can be done, for sure. I definitely think... Uh, Turning up nine minutes late is um, is problematic, but I but I but the sort of cracking on and, and and hitting it four miles an hour faster in the final game of the match and why didn't you do it earlier? I just I think that that's half the beauty of it. The mental well, that's challenge. a completely different thing. That was a joke, David. Yeah, we were joking. That's a joke. I am absolutely not joking about other faff. What would what else would you do apart from the bit at the start then? I'd get rid of the knock-up. Right. What else? Gone. Um... Why do they change ends? Mm. Well, that's quite a good point, yeah. I, I genuinely have always wondered that about tennis. I mean, you, I sort of get it in terms of... Wind? Wind and but why shade. Does it have but to, why does it have to be But equal? it could be at the end of each set you could change ends. I don't really get why they change after every two games. And don't forget, when I was a lad, they used to sit down after the first game. <laughs> that was amazing. Why now, why at events such as uh, Canada this week, uh, when it's Hawkeye line calling, why is a review a thing? Yeah, that is preposterous. 
ludicrous. Is that just the the putting? It's just the I'd like to watch that again. Could I just have a replay? It's like if you just hit a great shot, you can go to the umpire. Oh, could I? Could I? Could I watch a replay of that because it was really good and I'd like to see it again? Not. It's not going to change anything. Yeah, you're asking to see a replay through the same technology that made the call. Mm. Ridiculous. I don't get it either. Ridiculous. Mm. Um, and I don't want to get into the whole bathroom ba- de- break debate thing. I know there's all sorts of hoo-ha about the fact that Riley Apelka took a 14-minute a timeout mid-match today. And I don't, I, I don't like most of the discourse around... Uh, sorry, not injury timeout, loo, loo break, off-court break. I don't like most of the discourse around... Um, Lou breaks in tennis, um, but I I do know that I think in particular in Tor- Toronto, the distance of dr- the dressing rooms from the courts is is a significant factor in the length of the breaks being taken. I saw that out. Wheel in a portable dressing room or whatever. Wheel. Get a glamorous portaloo. What, like when you've got the builders in and you yeah, just put one of those ones I've, on your front drive? I've tuned into tennis. I don't want to be watching an empty court while Riley Apelka is walking cross-country to get to a toilet. <laughs> okay. And I think tennis fails the... Well, often, not always... But often, and uh, this could just be me, but I don't think it is, it fails the phone test. Like, how often are you watching a tennis match and suddenly you think, oh, my God, I'm on my phone? Yep. I think quite a lot. Absolutely. I- I've noticed that about myself a lot this I year. Think it's, I think that is lower with other sports. Yep, I agree. And, and can't take anything for granted. You know, it, it was... You and we're two, saying this because we love tennis. Exactly. We're saying that we love tennis. tennis showdown. Matt no, Roberts no, has been turned. No, no, Catherine's made it very clear that, and I completely agree, the scoring no one, should not no be No one's changed. going anywhere near the scoring format. But other elements and the sort of presentation of mm-hmm. the sport, I think, could be improved. So... I mean, apart from the, the, the bits, the faff in the be- in between, I, I get. But I mean, that's I still don't think that stops you looking at your phone during matches. The nature it does. of it is, it does. You see, the, the, you, see the, you see points, and then you see breaks between points because people need a rest for the next one. It, the, the frequency at which I look at my phone in a Nick Kyrgios match because he plays so quickly between points versus a, a Nadal or Djokovic match. It's there's no comparison. A Sabalenka match, she plays really quickly between points. It does make a difference, massively. Sabalenka and Kyrgios are extreme examples, though, because they're both spectacular shot. Of course, I've picked extreme examples to illustrate my point. I'm just saying there is correlation between quantity of faff and quantity of <laughs> distraction from the sport. So are you wanting to to reduce the time between points down to seven seconds? No, I would reduce it some, though. What about when they're they're just played a 35-shot rally? I would bestow discretion upon the umpire. Okay. 
I would decrease the standard time between points, but allow the umpire to exercise discretion. Hmm. Okay. And that could lead to good aggro. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Right. Where were we? Uh, straight sets losses for Olger Aliasim and Denis Shapovalov, the, the Canadian blokes have not had a good few days. Uh, I, I read Oji Aliasim actually talking about the sheer amount of tennis he's been playing recently because he went to Tokyo, he, he went deep at Wimbledon, he's come here. He, I mean, I didn't watch that match, but he, he lost to Dusan Lajevic, um, which, which isn't a good result really for him, is it? Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, may, maybe he's just out on his feet, but that's... It's not. A, it's not a completely isolated bad loss, is it? I mean, he's. Had, he's. Had, and I still don't know why. Why he has bad losses, really? That I mean, everybody has them occasionally, but he has more than he should, in my view, at least. What do you think, Matt? I find Aljaria seem really hard to talk about, actually, because I think you have to give the necessary context, which is that he's top 15 in the race for the year he's still only 21 things are generally pretty good you know quarterfinals at at Wimbledon semi-final of Haller recently fourth round at the Australian Open back at the start of the year he's he's had some pretty good results this year that's that's why his ranking is where it is and yet so often the experience of watching him play doesn't 
tally with all that and it looks a bit alarming and worrying how one-dimensional his game looks and how many errors he can make in just in bulk you know when it goes off it really really goes off and he doesn't seem to be able to stop it um i think there are some good signs that the double faulting has has improved i think you know that's perhaps an indication he he can make improvements in his game i think the fact that he made that coaching change at the end of last year and then brought in tony nadal which kind of the jury's out on whether that's a success or not but the fact he's looking for those changes would would suggest that he's not satisfied either and he's thinking that he needs to improve um so he, he's he's kind of a tricky one because even that stat about the eight finals you can read that two ways as well eight finals great eight straight sets defeats there's a problem there he he is a contradiction i think in many ways and I find it very difficult to really diagnose what the problem is and how it's going to be solved. But I can't shake that feeling that he's not quite progressing as I thought he would. I'm not making a face because I don't wholeheartedly agree with everything you've said. I'm making a face because Bianca Andreescu has just called the trainer on court. Oh, and she just won the first set. I mean, she did she? just win the set also. But um, the sight of medical professionals kneeling around Bianca Andreescu is... Don't need that. Oh, hang on. I think it's just a blister. Oh. Okay. We're all right with that. (laughs) Never has somebody's blister been celebrated (laughs) with such fervent vigour. Apparently it requires three adult men to sort out a blister. Anyway, sorry. Um, As as you were. Yes. Okay. Um, Right. Well... We've had Ogielia same chat. We've had Andrescu chat. Total opposite for her. She won that first set against Onshaber despite being a breaker served down and let out the most almighty roar and the crowd went up. And that was just a little reminder of what tennis should be like um, with Andrescu playing the sport. Um, Denis Shapovalov, disappointing. He was rubbish. Francis Tiafo. Really comfortable a, win for Tiafo. A, a bit better than rubbish in the second set, but poor. It was poor. Hmm. And actually, he said he said pretty much the same afterwards, and he he just couldn't get going. Um, I don't know it's confusing. He went to Gustav, didn't he? he? Played at altitude on clay the week after Wimbledon, and then Strange. or two weeks after Wimbledon, and then went to hard courts in um, in Toronto and, and lost in straight sets to Tiafo. Um, well, hopefully for his sake, he'll he'll get his act together in the in the weeks to come. And become a some sort of a uh, a force in uh, in time for the U.S. Open, but that's not a, not a good result. Tiafoe has been subsequently beaten today by Gael Monfils, I believe, um, who was from what the commentators were saying playing unbelievably good tennis um, against uh, against Tiafoe, and uh, yeah, I mean he he seems like a, a man really uplifted at the moment and. Hopefully in good health for for a run of time. That'd be nice to see. So uh, Stefano Sitsipas got a bit of Olympics revenge against Hugo Humbert. He won six three. Sorry, he won against Humbert, and then he beat uh, Karen Hatchinov six three six two today. So Sitsipas looks like he's got himself going. Uh, as he, he, it was his birthday, he was given cake. Oh, 
23 years of age as well. Yes. Um, he's, yeah, he was a bit a bit perplexed by the lack of fire in the candles. And, <laughs> um, and, and I think he said in his press conference that hazelnut would have been his preference, but he was still very, very happy with the cake. <laughs> <laughs> Prefer a flan, as uh, David Brent <laughs> once said. Um, and then... Uh, and by the way, I'm talking to people who, who've, who've got themselves a, a few wins. Casper uh, Rood has uh, backed up those three successive clay court tournament wins by getting a couple of good wins on hard court this week. And, uh, and he actually wrote hard courts, or I love hard courts, on the camera lens after his latest win, which is a nice, nice touch. Mm, hard court smiley face. Oh, Lovely. Very low key but excellent aggro. Mm, big fan of this. Mm. <laughs> Have we had a response from Mr. Kyrgios yet? Or I assume he wrote your mum on Twitter and then hastily <laughs> deleted it. <laughs> yes, we've seen that one. The old ones are the worst. Um, uh, what else has happened quickly? John Isner on an eight match winning streak beat Andre Rublev today. Two very tight sets. Rublev's never beaten him. That's 3-0 and for Isner against Rublev. He's so much in his head that Rublev was taking two rackets during the tie-break. He was serving with one racket and returning with another. I mean, that is oh, a man That's confused, not a thing, Andre. <laughs> Crikey. Oh, dear. Well, it's been a good tournament so far, and the three medical professionals are exiting the court, having uh, seen to... Uh, to Bianca Andreescu. Hopefully she's going to be okay. Uh, and we'll let you know how she has got on in this match and in the rest of the tournament when we are back together on Monday uh, for the post-Montreal and Toronto tennis podcast. Um, I think we've got a few cracking days ahead. Uh, Catherine will be presenting Prime Video's coverage over the next few days, of course, and we'll be looking forward to watching that. Um, and we have our mascot, Teddy, who we've been looking at pictures of, and Teddy's lovely. Uh, we've got Billie Jean King as our sponsor of Billie Jean the Dog. Uh, Chris Albert Lee is our executive producer. Our mascots are Zeus, Scousel, Mousel, and Rogue, all lovely, uh, as is my holiday. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say about him. <laughs> no one asked. <laughs> <laughs> no one asked. Uh, right. Uh, get to bed, Catherine. Get to bed, Matt, in about two hours after you've edited the podcast. And, um, yeah, we'll have it up for you as soon as we can. Hope you've enjoyed this one. Do tell your friends if you have. Uh, get them listening. And uh, leave us an iTunes review if you haven't already. And we'll be back with you on Monday. Speak to you then. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 